Hello everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. My name is Joe Thomas, I'm the Echoes Everton FC correspondent. Alongside me, I have my colleague and season ticket holder, Paul Wheeler, and we've got regular contributor, Gav Buckland. Lads, one all draw against Brighton, that's what we're going to focus on first and foremost. A couple of days now after the final whistle's gone. Gav, I'll start with you. What, what are your thoughts? Thoughts now? A point well earned, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I, we spoke on this podcast, I think we were sitting in this very chair about three weeks ago. And the next three fixes were Liverpool, away, West Ham away, Brighton at home. And and I said the thing so was like if we get any points for any of them three fixes, mm. I'll be I'll be pleased. I think we've just beaten Bournemouth. And we've taken four points. Yeah. Nearly became six, but four points. And as well as qualifying for the the quarterfinals of the, mm. the, the Carabao Cup. Not only really nearly became six, of course, but obviously controversy at Anfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Covered that well, but and like it very, very easily could have gone yeah, from but that four, as well. Yeah, so. Four points and a decent performance at Anfield, yeah. you know. So uh, and quali- as I say, qualification for the quarterfinal. So we've got to see it in that context, haven't yeah. we, really? That, um, I think that's a decent point to turn. Defensively solid, which hopefully we may talk about across them games. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, you've got to see it not as a standalone 90 minutes, just in the context, as I say, of three or four games where the, the you know, the, we've been on and off with trajectory, I think. Mm. Paul, what, what were your thoughts when you left the stadium on Saturday? Obviously, uh, disappointed that the goal came when it did because it, it wasn't that all the hard work was undone but the game plan had clearly worked mm-hmm. until that point I think yeah initially the disappointment because we've not got the three points what I thought the performance deserved but as you say probably walking down Goodison Road going back to the car discussed it you know from my dad listening to what other fans are saying I'm very much like Gal I still think it was a point gain and I think some of the disappointments or maybe a over the top disappointment I would say on social media I felt over the weekend would have been tempered if that goalie would have come and say the 76 minutes yeah. kind of thing I think it was just the fact that it came late and the nature of it the, the you know the, the lucky or unlucky deflection from Everson's point of view I thought there was there was lots to take from the performance and as you say a, a point at home to a good Brighton side on the back of three at West Ham and progression into the Carabao Cup quarterfinals with a good draw at home I wasn't too downhearted at all about the performance or even the results. Yeah, no, I, I, I largely agree as well. I think that we can talk about the 90 minutes, 94 minutes, I think it was was in the end that we won and styles of play will come on to that in a minute and whether or not Deitch could have made some changes. But I think a good place to start today is probably looking at that wider context into which yeah. it all fits in. And you know, it's not just, as Gav, you've already mentioned, the context of the season, having four points, qualification in the Carabao Cup, and a, you know, a, a very unfortunate loss at Anfield within this little mini period between international breaks. But if you stretch it back wider and go to back when Brighton came to, to Goodison in January, the the difference in Everton as a proposition to face across that 10 months couldn't really be more stark. You know, that, that 4-1 defeat in, in January, I mean, that was probably with Newcastle, the... Two, they were probably the two lowest points of last season, I think, on the pitch. Um, probably the moment where you thought Everton are back in a, in a second mm. relegation fight, aren't they? And the way in which they capitulate in that second half, so all those goals weren't going in the manner of the goals. There's just no fight at all, was there? And Everton were very different to that. They were clearly a different beast on the dice. I asked Roberto De Zerbi this after the game, and, and, and he said that you know they're just far, far different team to face now. You know They, they, they found the style that suits them, he said. Um, and I think that's that's what Deitch has done to, to his credit. Um, Gav Style will come on to because it has been 
probably one of the major talking points since the game. Did you have any issue with with the tactics, and do you have any problem with you know with with the results that they're engineering? Because a lot of people have pointed out the lack of possession that Everton had, but obviously it's a positive result, very close to a very good result, and this was always going to be a, a, a contrast in styles, a conflict of completely different approaches to the game. And I think it showed that there's more than one way to be effective. Yeah, I think there's lessons learned from the games of Brighton last season. I think we had like 50% possession yeah. of Goodison, didn't we? We got torn apart. And uh, I think at the the Amex, it was about, about 20 odd percent possession yeah. again, yeah. wasn't it? Really? So, based not uneasily, saying, well, they'll do exactly what this did at the Amex. And I'm slightly different to home. And also, I said to you before, just before we came on, I think Brighton had probably three, still four first choice mm. players missing on, on Saturday. So you play playing against the weekend team, though you then you saw the substitution thought, well actually they're not that bad off. Um I I'll 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 understand somebody who said actually we, we should have done a bit more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's one thing doing it against Arsenal, who are yeah. obviously one of the top yeah. two or three teams in the country. Another doing it against Liverpool, but I think against Brighton at home, I'd say slightly weakened. Uh, and they've not they've gone four four Premier League games down to win. Um, I think possibly um, you'd expect a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, I, I fully understand that. Yeah, do, we don't want to play sort of, you know, <laughs> actually go for it. But I, I think um, possibly what didn't help us because you got too early, didn't we? <laughs> I mean, you know what? What I think you've always said this, Joe, haven't you? That what we've done well on the dice is score and then yeah. just a and then hang on. Well, when we think about the tactical setup and, and obviously Gav there mentions perhaps scoring too early might have hindered some of Deitch's ambitions. I mean, do you think the the absence of Amadou Anana was, was also probably crucial to that as well? Because he is someone that obviously defensively is very capable, but he is someone that can pick up the ball on the edge of the box, drive forward with it, and increasingly we're seeing this season find a, a progressive pass to, to, you know, to an Evan forward player to set off an attack, which is something that they'd struggle to do, I think, on, on, on Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, I'd agree. I think... As Gav said there, it reminded me slightly of the Arsenal game, but whereas I remember being on this podcast the Monday after that one and being really disappointed with just mm. not having a go at all, I think. But it reminded me in, in times that we didn't have the ball much and I don't think we took care of the ball yeah. enough. And yeah. I think that, I think when you, you appoint Sean Dyke, you do understand what kind of manager you're going to get. Mm-hmm. I've worked over in that part of the country in East Lancashire. And I remember even in the good times of Burnley, like a lot of Burnley fans were saying, why don't we have more possession in the ball? But Sean Dyke just got a style and it works well. And it was, you know, three or four minutes away from getting a big three points on Saturday. But I think in time, we do need, I think we just, we need better players in midfield who can hold on to the ball. And I think Anana in recent weeks has mm. began to show that he could become that player. Well, what I, I do have to say, I thought, I just, again, had a really, really good game. Yeah, yeah. I thought him and James Garner worked terrifically well because... They were up against some good players in their, in, in their midfield and they keep the ball so well, Brian. I thought they got through a lot of hard work. So I think they missed Anana from an attacking point of view on Saturday, but I thought defensively, absolutely no complaints about the, the man who came in for him. I, I just think, I even thought on, on Burnley on Wednesday night, strangely mm. enough, even though we were winning 1-0 at half-time, it was probably the most fr- frustrating I'd been all season because I, I just thought we were poor with yeah. the ball. And fortunately... Burnley just didn't, they just don't have that kind of lethal, like, kind of yeah. clinical edge, dude. It's, it's clear that that's really going to cost them this season. But I, I felt the same on, 
on Wednesday nights, I think we have to get better with the ball. If we're going to only have 20, 30, 40% in games, when we have to, when we've got it, we need to do more with it. And I think John Dykes did allude to that after the game, didn't he? Yeah. 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 He was happy with the shape, the organisation, the hard work, which was absolutely spot on throughout the game. But as Gav said, you said as well, I think we could have done more than we Yeah, I think to be fair to Dice, I think you're right, Joe, about I think out of the, the three combinations you can have out of the three midfielders, the most defensive one is Garner and Garner Gay, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because you, you lose Anana's ability to progress the ball. You both, with and without, well, with him, with and without the ball, progress up the pitch. And uh, they're two natural sitters, Andy Garner, I yeah. think, and Garner, Garner Gay. And I think that probably, you know, hindered us a little bit on, on Saturday. And, and, and you are right, I think. You, you would have seen a slightly different game, I think. Whether it's the legendary Lionesses, grassroots or expert analysis of the women's leagues, Women's Football News has it all covered. A brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Don't miss Women's Football News. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's Football is here to stay and so are we. Yeah, it would be interesting to see, and obviously we know that Sean Dice was disappointed to lose him. Made this point after the Arsenal game. I think it's also a game in which you really see not having Alex Awobi as an option because he was, I know obviously he's somebody that that divided opinion among a lot of Everton supporters, but one thing he was very effective at doing was picking up the ball on the edge of the area and again carrying it or finding a pass to Dominic Calvert-Loon or someone out wide, you know, quite where he'd fit into this side. Mm -hmm. I'm not entirely sure where where Dyche would play him, but, um, you know, again, it's it's that probably that, that jarring of wanting to progress but being hampered by the realities of Evans' situation whereby obviously they can't go out and buy a whole new midfield or they can't go and spend big on a, you know, a, a ball-playing centre midfield and they're working what they got. But clearly it's a, it's a choice of Dyche to play that way. I think I remember you know, looking at the stats after after 10 minutes, it was 90% Brighton possession, but by that point Evan already had a goal and then Fruta Corey had had, had another good yeah, chance yeah, as yeah. well. And, and I think the... To some extent, Gav, I think that's probably where Everton are right now. And Everton need to make progress. The last two seasons have been far from acceptable. And do you think that this kind of style of play is essentially part of the necessary medicine at the minute? You know, all right, some supporters, and by all means, not all, some supporters might not perhaps enjoy watching as much as possible. But, you know, you can't go from fourth from bottom last season to seventh this season and within that encompass a complete change in the way in which you you, you play football as well you know, you've got to be find the easiest way to be effective and this is what this is what Daesh has stumbled across yeah I wouldn't even say progress I mean we've got to stop the rough yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that, that, you know then we've got to progress and I think we've we've clearly stopped the rot you yeah. know he spoke about the, the low points of last season yeah. and that you know you like to think that that would be you know that we, we've moved away from that and we are now Progression to a to a limited degree. I think, yeah, I think he is that maybe he's only got a very small squad. We've spoken mm-hmm. about this, haven't we? So he's looking at the squad and saying, what's the best style of play for this yeah. this team? So you got Michelenko, we know he was a fullback, excellent on Saturday, but he's got a certain style, hasn't he? You know, he's very solid defensively. You had Ashley Emily's 38 on the other flank who can't get up and down. As I say, sometimes in midfield, you know, you haven't got anybody who can run with the ball. And um, so I think you, you find in a style that suits those 11 to 12 first mm. choice players, and he's found it, hasn't he, really? Um, 
but having said that, should we be doing more? Possibly. But I think all all's after at the moment is points, isn't it? Yeah. That is all that is all all's we're after is keeping the relegation, you know, door you know, keeping away from the relegation door. And I think we are doing that. We're now what, four, four mm. points out. Even though in some respects the results some of the results went against us, didn't they? Yeah. At yeah, the yeah, weekend. Yeah. Um and and I think that as long as we're getting results, perfectly, perfectly fine. I think possibly where we've missed something is the midfield. We didn't replace Tom Davis, did we? No. To give us another option in midfield during summer. That was a calculated risk. That was probably based on the finances, really. Yeah. And well, Davis would get offered a new contract and turn it down. Yeah, yeah. But well, we did chose not to. Yeah, we chose not to replace him. So we've lost a body in midfield. We could have had somebody on the bench you know, in a perfect world. That was oh, notable as well. Again, yeah, yeah, just yeah. as a reminder, perhaps, as to... Yeah, how limited Deitch's options are. Obviously, Anana's absence with a calf injury meant there was no senior centre midfielder on the bench, was Yeah, there? exactly. And that, that informed the thinking about not bringing anybody on. And, and But that, that was a conscious decision by the club and forced on them by financial circumstances. So you, I, I'm quite happy to do what we're doing at the yeah. moment. So as long as it brings points and has been doing for, what, five games, possibly yeah. something yeah. like that. Um, I've not got a problem with that. And I mean, I've shown, haven't we? Certainly away from home. We, we can be expansive. We played really well at Brentford, didn't we? We West Ham. You know, we 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 were, we were after a so slow first half, second. You know, we, we we came into the game there. So it's not as if we're you know parking two buses every game, isn't it? It's just got to pick your moments, haven't yeah. you, to do it? And I thought Saturday probably should have done a bit more, but we still got a point, and that's that's perfectly acceptable for me as part of that run of as I say. Four points from three difficult games, and you know, extend that to the Brentford game. Yeah. Was it ten, ten and five, something like that? That's not bad, is it? No, no, it's quite interesting. Remember when Lampard tried to have his summer rebuild? One of the first things he identified was saying, "I want to start from the back and building that stability and solidity at the back." And obviously, it never quite worked out. But more than one thing that we are seeing with this Dyche side is it's very effective at the back, just like against Liverpool, against Brighton, a very good attack inside they weren't really creating much weren't they and yeah there's that coaching voices interview that Deitch does about his win at Anfield with Burnley during during Covid he talks about protecting that that V from almost a goalpost out towards the, the edge of the box and they do that so effectively don't they it's clearly again just like the willingness to concede possession the willingness to concede the ball out wide so long as they can protect and crowd those those areas in the middle you know it's it's, it's proven effective because you look at that all that talent that they've got in that Brighton side and they didn't really carve Everton open and that was even after and again we've already talked about squads issues for Everton you know again you want to kind of compare where these clubs are at the moment obviously you know Brighton brought on Ansu Fati they brought on Mamoud uh, Dahoud who I thought was excellent when he yeah, came he was, on yeah, yeah, yeah. and and, and, and Jao Pedro you know with, with half an hour to go and really did give him a bit of impetus but again you know they're bringing them three players on they've already got three first team players out injured and they're playing against a team in Everton, which, and obviously this isn't acceptable, but it is where the club is at the moment. Can't can't name a senior centre midfielder on the bench. Well, I don't know if we'll go on to to subs, but yeah. I, I I it kind of probably links into what I was saying. I can actually understand again. I think Dyke has already made it clear that if he thinks something's working on the pitch mm. and the players are fit, he's not going to change yeah. it. That's his management style. I think it was his management style at Burnley before it. I actually thought. On Saturday, I could understand maybe Harrison to come off, and they maybe could put Patterson at right back, and you yeah. uh, But it was going well, and it comes back to your point there, Joe. Apart from the free kick that Pickford made that great save, save from, 
I can't remember Brighton having a chance yeah. in open no, play. No. And that was even after they threw, you know, they threw the cavalry or something. Yeah, yeah. Five subs. You know, like you could tell by the the, the sub they taking Milner off. They were playing players out of position. You no, know, the, the first choice left back is off. But the Serbi was trying different things yeah. in that game. Yeah. And we can't get away from the fact that it's taken a really, you know, fortuitous goal to eventually, you know, to get Brian back in the game and peg Everton back. So I think that's credit to to what Dyke is doing at the moment because Gaz rightly says it's a tricky one on, on Saturday because you look one player goes out of the squad in an honor and then you're kind of going, Why? My God, we've gone over central midfield options, you know, and yeah. then is it again? You look at the bench and you think, yeah, well, Beto could come on for, for, for Dominic Calvert Lewin, but Calvert Lewin's looking so strong at the moment. We played really well again mm-hmm. on Saturday, there was no need to take him off. And then it's Dan Juman, I think he's probably the one player in that squad who is probably not getting as much game time as he would have imagined. But you kind of get the impression that Dice doesn't fully trust him, you know, yeah. in certain games like that. So, like, I can understand. Fresh legs would have helped, but I, I can understand why he wouldn't have brought Dan Juma on for Harrison um, in those closing stages. Probably should have made it. It's easy to say this with hindsight. I mean, the obvious thing would have done would have been to bring Patterson on, I think, and then either put Patterson at right back and move Ashley Young or have a Patterson on the right of midfield and just yeah, fresh legs in defensive duties, wouldn't it, I think? But I, I, I do. I've not been bowled over by Ashley Young, and I think you, no. you've always got to remember that he's a 38 year old free transfer who's had a brilliant career, so <clears throat> we can't expect him to be bombing up and down the wing. But I thought that was probably one of his best games for us on Saturday. Matoma's an excellent player. He got behind him once in the mm. first half and then, unfortunately, got past him and Harrison for the goal. But I thought Young did really well mm. on Saturday. So again, I'm, maybe I've got my, my glass half full today. You know, I could, I could understand Dyke's yeah. decisions yeah. on Saturday. Again, hindsight's a, a wonderful thing. Yeah, maybe he should have brought Patterson a little bit earlier, but on another day, that that, cl- that cross deflection to pick for arms and it finishes one 0 Yeah, there was, I think I think they had a bit more space. Matoma didn't he, in the second mm. half. I think uh, it might be only something for Mad, which I think Mad theory, but there's an element of truth in it. I think I was listening to Gary Neville the other the other week talking about playing fullback, mm. and when he plays right back to Gary Neville, and he said that when you're a fullback by the dugout, you always push tighter because you've got the coach and the managers on, on, on you all the yeah, time yeah. And, and you know if you've got somebody who's covering for you your right winger they will always they will always cover for you because you've got you imagine you've got Dyson whoever like you know screaming at you for the touchline if the if the opposition wingers are a threat he said at Old Safford always find that playing by the dugout they were always tight against the winger mm. he said there was but when you went over the far side of the pitch there was always far more space for, for the winger because you just you haven't got somebody down your ear the whole game and I was thinking about that on Saturday I know it's a mad theory but I think there's an element of truth yeah. in that and it was no small in the second half that Matoma had I think he had a bit more space um, and but I don't know whether that comes into it it's just, it's just something that sprung to mind on, on, on Saturday watching the game and, and I thought maybe Harrison didn't do enough I think possibly in the second half we closed Matoma down Doubled mm. up on in the first half, second half, I think he had, he had more space. But I think that he picked him up quite a couple of yeah, times. I was, didn't he? I was like, really yeah, impressed yeah, with yeah, the yeah. dude, really impressed yeah, with the um, and, uh, But I thought Young did okay. I thought mm. he was unlucky with the goal. Uh, now, what would you say about Pickford with the goal, by the way? It's just really unfortunate, I was going to yeah. say. You feel like you're smiling, like playing devil's advocate. Yeah, no, no, I was just, just thinking, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've heard various th- theories, you know. 
Uh, I'd, I'd actually should have got it. I thought you'd definitely not expecting that. No, right? I, don't I, I, don't, uh, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, I was, I was listening to that well-known goalkeeper, Martin Keown, on Match of the Day. No, uh, <laughs> on Saturday, go. saying he should have gone with his other arm. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah, all right, you know. Yeah. Do you think Everton should have had a penalty? I mean, there was a, a few different shouts. I think um, I wasn't aware of this in, in the stadium. Um, it sounds like they uh, checked the Dwight McNeil one and, and said the contact was outside the box. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, there were two potential shouts. They only showed one on that show, didn't they? But it was Van Hecker on Calvert-Lewin and then Veltman on Tarkovsky, both wrapped around them. Yeah, I think McNeil's foot was in the box, wasn't it? But the yeah. contact was outside, yeah, so I think the other ones were... Can't, you know, I'm not really sure. I'd I think, be happy if it, if it had been the opposite. Yeah, maybe. I think given how close the offside was for Lewis Dunk's goal as well, yeah. I think, you know, probably come away from the not complaining about officiating from as, as vociferously as perhaps it deserved to in some recent games. I mean, that Dunk goal was a lovely goal, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, we can say that now that it didn't count, but yeah. I mean, he finished that, that off well. But although it does point to, again, you know, I think... Like personally, and this was the theme of my report after, and reporting on the game after. I think the yeah there are there were positives and signs of progress from the the Brighton game when you look at everything in, in proper context. And yeah, you know, I think it shows that Everton are moving forward on a you know an upward trajectory. It might be slow, it might be gradually, it might you know there will be setbacks along the way. But it feels like this is the necessary part of, of sustainable progress that the club needs. I do think there are probably a couple of areas where Deitch is probably going to have to concede on a little bit and perhaps be a little less, I don't know, either a little less stubborn or a little bit more innovative. Um, one of them, you know, go back to that dunk goal, to see to see the opposition's most dangerous yeah. attacking threat from a set piece charge into the box unmarked to meet a, to meet a cross so soon after it happened so often against Luton. Um, and it just keeps happening this season, and I, f- I feel like that's something that can't be allowed to carry on going. I don't quite know what the, I don't quite know what the thought process is there. Again. I mean, it's it's as a as a fan, and obviously you know, f- following football is increasingly about looking at tactics and finances, and not just watching the ninety minutes as these days. But it is quite difficult to see what the thought process is in no, allowing no, yeah. that, isn't it? I thought being a fan you just looked at finances all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that, and, and football's just a, like an optional extra, you know. Um, I was yeah, I mean, yeah. 1-0 with seven minutes ago and looking at the, the mid-table, I was thinking, oh, wow, this could be, you know, yeah. uh, you know, a couple of months here where we can just, you know, just talk about yeah. football. Obviously, we've got seven, 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 and all the takeover yeah. stuff as well and, and that, but I mean... Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that was my first reaction. I remember, like, when we did the pod, like, the Luton goal saying, like, what was the, 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 the Luton striker? What's his name? Morris. Carlton yeah, Morris, yeah. wasn't it? Thinking that's the only goal you see scored like that in the Presley like this season. Range, wasn't it? Saturday, and yeah. and they saw, that was my first reaction mm-hmm. when Dunk scored. Oh, let's just have it again. And yeah, it's good. It's all about communication, isn't it? Between you. Yeah. Between your back line for the start. But it is something that needs working on. There was a couple of times in the centre half, with the second half, I think Dunk was marked by. I think actually young at one stage, mm. you know. Um, yeah, I think you'd expect better from a base team, to be fair. We got away with that. And it's always better than those goals when they hit the bar, don't they? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can say, yeah, yeah. you can say now, it's a lovely it's a goal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he had the thoughts of first half, didn't he? Because it went in off and the goal didn't mm. he got booked and he had the goal disallowed by half a centimetre. But yeah, you'd expect it from a base team. That's something that they should be working on. Especially as it's sort of out of kills with the general 
defensive progression we've shown over mm. the last um, five or six weeks. Yeah. yeah, I think another area that he's probably going, obviously we touched on it, and again, this is one of the main talk points after the game is substitutions. You know, I asked him a lot about this towards the back end of the last season, and it's, it's very clear, and you look back at his Burnley days, that he doesn't like to make substitutions when he thinks things are going okay. But I really do think that that's probably something that he's going to have to change his approach on because I think the game has changed so much in the past yeah. 18 months that you can now have five substitutions rather than three. The fact the game's going on regularly five, six, seven, eight minutes longer. The fact that so many of the Premier League squads now have got a strong 15-16 as opposed to a strong 11-12. You know, the, you're essentially looking at games being compartmentalised into two or three different phases. Yeah. And I think... You know, Deitch spoke about this last week about trying to, you know, working longer on training sessions at Finch Farm, things like that to try and encompass a, the additional fitness that's needed in the first 11 to, to do that. But I do think that's probably going to be a little bit naive going forward because, you know, like we saw against Brighton, obviously they didn't create any real chances in the second half and the equaliser came from a, you know, a deflected cross. But it was easy to see the impetus and the injection of momentum that happened when they brought those three players on um, midway through the second half and obviously Evan we're tired it's even more obvious when you've got people like you know Ashley Young is he's, you know, he's, he's 38 isn't he of course like mm-hmm. as we mentioned you know, some of these players were playing three times in a week it's a lot to ask of players to be able to do that maintain the intensity particularly when it's a diet side that doesn't like to the it doesn't put a lot of emphasis on having possession if you're asking your players to you know, to defend, but defend with the intensity of the Dutch side for 95, 96, 97 minutes against the first wave for 60 and the second wave for the next 30 and then maybe some, some final substitutions, that's a hell of a lot to ask for, isn't it? Yeah, I thought. Yeah, it's it can, kind of, I agree. I think he, he's, he's definitely loath to make subs. Mm. And there's been a few times this season when we've come away from games thinking, why haven't you changed it? It kind of comes down to me. It's it's the options off the bench. Even mm. though we had nine subs on Saturday, two of them goalkeepers. Unless you were going to bring a Michael Keane on and go to a a back five, mm-hmm. the only sub you could see coming was Beto for for Dominic Calvert Lewin. But as I said earlier, Dominic Calvert Lewin didn't look like he was having any ill effects. Seemed completely fit. And then it probably was that the Patterson one, mm-hmm. either directly for Young or on for Harrison, or for. Didn't have the best of the games on Saturday, no. and I was overly impressed with him on Wednesday. Either, even though I know he, mm. he worked very hard, and he worked very hard again on Saturday, and I think that's why Dice likes him yeah. more than say Dan Juma. And I think you you mentioned him earlier. It's not what we, we. I still think we are. I don't know. It's easy for me to say this given the the club's financial situation. I still think we're one centre midfielder down. I think we're another winger down. Yeah. I think, and I think there are days like that where. You really feel it. I, I, as I said earlier, I, I have some sympathy for Deitch on Saturday when it comes to the subs, but you're right, Joe. There's, you, you look at, say, the Luton game, you know, luckily in recent weeks, he's been able to make subs or lack, you know, maybe one or two late changes for a position mm-hmm. of strength, as it's what's going to happen if we were losing 1 0 on Saturday. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think I, I, I'd be interesting to see what happens then. I think once you're one up at home or one up away at West Ham, you, you can stick at it, can't you? But there will come a time where we'll probably one down at home and we'll have to change it and he's going to have to change his shape. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to see what happens when that, when yeah. that comes. Yeah, I think because I hate it to you, it's the in-game stuff you're talking about there, Joe, but it also means that people start more games around you than yeah. what you would expect. And I'm just thinking for, for December when there's, what, eight, eight games in December. Games, 
as well before, that's going to be a real pinch point, yeah. isn't it, for the yeah, squad, isn't it? Where it's not going to be necessarily not being able to substitute players during the game. It's going to be like the case now. I'm playing so-and-so on Saturday. But I know he's got a bit of a knock and in normal circumstances they'll probably drop him to the bench or not play him at all, but I'm going to be forced to play because I haven't got any other options. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's going to bite us, I think. Um, you know, the, 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 the starting of players in, in matches that are within in other circumstances you may you may not have done so. And I think, that, especially given our fixture list in December, I think that's going to be where the source is going to hear. So not just the in-game stuff. Yeah, December's going to be absolutely massive, isn't it? Yeah, and that's yeah. why it's crucial to have that. Yeah, there is a bit of a buffer to the relegation zone at the moment. Obviously, Forest picked up the win yesterday, which meant that they leapt over Everton. You know, Luton conceded a late equaliser to Liverpool, of course, which is probably helpful, but... Just, and again, I think this is when we try and interpret what's going on in yeah where where Evan are right now. I think it's the important context. It's just looking at some of those teams beneath Evan and just how they're continuing to struggle. Burnley lost again at home. You know, Bournemouth obviously battered by Manchester City. I don't think Everton can be naive and assume that that's going to carry on all season. Both of those clubs have had relatively new investment, and you would think mm. both managers must be close to. I know they like Vincent Company a lot, and obviously you know Raiola had a lot of fanfare around him when he was uh, appointed the, the Bournemouth manager, but you'd think that you'd, you'd think that those those hierarchies must be somewhere near a change. You'd also think that they might be looking at January and might have a bit of money to try and make sure they stay in the Premier League. But for the time being, you know, Evan, you know, in relatively healthy position, aren't they, compared to where they have been in recent seasons. But the important thing is they build, they continue to build on that, isn't it? Obviously, Palace, of, Palace away on site is going to be a really interesting one for that, isn't it? Uh, battle for 10th places now what Bobby paint Bobby behind Palace we three points behind Palace or something yeah, like that or something like that, that yeah. yeah yeah eminently winnable game isn't it yeah, yeah. On, on Saturday uh, Palace I think I'm not sure but they always appear to more likely to win away from home than at home mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the stats are but yeah it's it's one of them games where you would expect expect a little bit more than what we'd shown against Brighton to yeah. be fair I'd expect yeah. it to set up the same way but I'd expect at the same time I'd expect I think when we think about style as well like, yeah, obviously there, there, there are things that we probably expect to change as the season goes on perhaps Dyche's use of substitutions being one of them one of the things I'd be really interested to see with from a tactical point of view is if Everton do consolidate and stabilise and make a bit of progress this season it'd be interesting to see how whether or not Dyche continues with the same tactics as Everton get stronger and better and make progress and whether or not he can adapt a better side that he grad, you know, that gets stronger and stronger to tactics that perhaps some people might say are more appealing on the eye or whether it's this again. Isn't it? Obviously, we saw what he did with Burnley. He'd make the argument that obviously he had very limited resources yeah. at all stages of Burnley, wouldn't he? So, but I feel like that's a question for another day, really, as opposed to... Yeah, now, now it's first and foremost. But it's still points for a lack of options, isn't it? I mean, yeah, what, exactly. what, 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 I mean, modern football is a lot of your progression, your your your, your attacking play comes from out wide, from your mm. two fullbacks, doesn't it? Really, and, and we've got young, you know, young thirty-eight, as I say, Mikhailenko, excellent defensively, maybe a centre back in time. Um, you know, yeah. I, I said that just. Saying he's not great going forward, they scored on Saturday. <laughs> but you know that we we don't you know have those options. It's a bit like Brighton, where you know a Stupian, whatever his name is, didn't play. Estepinian didn't play on on Saturday. And you had Milner, who's mm. a thirty-seven yeah. year old right back playing left back. <laughs> Completely different, yeah. different uh, setup then, isn't it? And you know that that's where we are missing. You know when it's about changing mm. the play. Well, if you if you got two 
relatively defensive fullbacks, then just that takes an important bit of your mm-hmm. armory out going forward in modern football. And so, therefore, you're looking at creativity through the middle, then, aren't you? Yeah. And we go, what creativity we've got through the middle? Anana can do stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think James Garner can do stuff. But you haven't got anything else apart from that, have we? Yeah. Um, well, you've got DeCorey, yeah. whose creativity is very much physical, yeah, 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 technical, yeah. haven't yeah. you? So. so, so we have got. I, I, I suppose what you'd say there is is where you would expect us to, to play is, is maybe 10 yards further up the pitch. Mm. Mm. You know, is is plant ourselves. You know, plant ourselves closer to the halfway line, and our own penalty box would be a start. Yeah, um, and then take it from there. But he's only got limited options. Yeah, you know, in terms of changing the style of the team and making them more progressive. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, just mentioned to Corey there. Signed a new contract last week. Uh, Connor, our colleague, spoke to him um, after the game on Saturday. One of the things he said. I, mean, I wrote this a few weeks ago, saying that it looked like it'd be the case, but. Almost certainly looks now, Paul, like he's not going to go to the um, the Africa Cup of Nations with Mali. That's that's a significant boost for Deitch, I think, isn't it? Because within the limited setup and obviously within the style of football that Deitch chooses to play, I mean, Decorey really is integral the way he, he kind of bursts from that midfield role to, to press or to attack. And obviously some of his goals have been crucial. Losing, having the prospect of losing, having that difficult December and entering a January where Everton might be without two of the four centre midfielders they've got. I mean, if Idris Gay and um, um, Abdullah Dekori have both gone, that would force a tactical rethink, wouldn't it? As good as Onana and Garner have looked in recent weeks, and James Garner have looked in recent weeks, I think Dyche will welcome the fact that he'd probably be able to stick with the same tactics going forward to that month. Yeah, he's become such a key player, hasn't he? Yeah. Sean Dyche, not just in his goals, his, his work rate off the ball, and if we're going to be a side who gives up, you know, 80, 70, 60% of the possessions to opposition, you're going to need bit players off the ball who are going to chase it down, get back into shape, and that's what Decorey mm-hmm. gives us in, a, in abundance. And I think we even saw it against Burnley on Wednesday night. I thought we were a better side when, when he came on. Yeah. And as you said, we, we, well, he was key last season, wasn't he? After he got sent off against Tottenham, did we go three games without him? And when after he was out the side to uh, I think so. It was Fulham, it was Palace. Uh, I can't Man remember United, wasn't game. it? Didn't play against Man United. And, not sure. You look at the the options of what, as uh, as Connor said in his analysis after Burnley, I think it was a missed opportunity from Dan Juma, wasn't it? I don't yeah. think he, he took his chance on Wednesday night. I'm not sure he's a number ten. Obviously, Deli Ali, that would be his position. But from the sounds of things, he's still quite a while away from. Yeah, playing, I mean that's one other thing that might help Deitch moving forward. Obviously, you've got Andre Gomez and you've got Deli as well. Who, who could who could could have an impact? Obviously, both from long term injury absences, and you know, I think I don't think you could rely on them to to come in and have a big impact. The, the hope is that they would do, but you know, I think anything's a bonus, really, given that where they've been for the last eighteen months. It seems a long way off, doesn't it? But you hope the takeover would go through in time for New Year, and it's hope in some way that the squad can be strengthened because, mm. as you both said rightly. I don't think it's probably too much of a guess to suggest if we are playing eight games in December going into January, we're probably going to have a few injuries. Yeah, well, yeah I think yeah. obviously that's that's something that is it just as you kind of start to reach a plateau where, albeit we could argue over style and substitutions, the the headlines of what's going on on the pitch at the moment are going in the right direction. And they're yeah. largely positive. Obviously, this being Everton Football Club, there's always something in the background. And 
you know, we we await for the the mysterious day when the Premier League are going to upload their judgment on and <laughs> and potentially a punishment on on uh, on on their website over the um, you know the financial allegations. Believe me, I've asked them several times for some sort of timeline. That it basically is. It will come when it comes, so just, just just be prepared. And then obviously there's also the, the the takeover stuff as well, which you know needs to have full scrutiny. Back onto finance so, again, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we're, we're we're back onto finance. I was going to, but... th- I think that the core thing's fascinating. By the way, mm. I think there's a, there's a few things about it. Uh, the first thing is, I would imagine his uh, decision to go uh, to you know or not to go to the. The, the African Cup of Nations was probably part of the contractual negotiations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we'll give you the two-year extension, have the life, but you're not going to go to the African <laughs> Cup of Nations, are yeah. you? Know? And also, it's quite a surprise. I, I, I'm trying to think of any precedents where somebody's been on a one-year contract. <laughs> <laughs> Then you've extended it. It's two, is it? It's to summer twenty five. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got. So he's, he's yeah. he was already contracted next summer. So it's extended. So it's a one year extension. I think that's. Bear in mind, last year we extended it at the end of yeah. the yeah. season, and this year we've done it even before. And I'm, I'm, I'm the only thing I'm saying about there is, is but there's two things, isn't it? And it does tie into what you just said there. The first thing is whether I actually think needs to preserve his value mm-hmm. because given his performance over the last, you know, uh, ten months. Midfielders you can score goals are quite yeah. you know quite coveted are they? Uh, and I think that that comes into it whether there's been in session him already and that mm-hmm. actually when they got a few months left that somebody comes in in January for them maybe they want to sort of head that off as well and also as well then this is to do with the the the, the profit, profitability and sustainability thing. Do you think the club will protect themselves in case we get a transfer back? Yeah, I think that's probably also yeah. comes into, yeah, yeah, into the thought yeah. process because. There are a significant number of players that are out of contract next summer. So, if, for instance, you know, Evan were to be found guilty of a breach, you know, a, a transfer ban that took in January and, and and next summer would have a serious impact, I think, on this squad. Even, I think, you know, a, again, you know, we've spoken about a lot of positives here, so the last thing we want to do is get drawn into, you know, Potential nightmares for for you know, a year's time or ever, but when you look at the sides that might come up from the championship next season, you know Leicester, although they lost the other day, look very very strong. Leeds are in the mix. Yeah. Southampton are in the mix already. I know Ipswich are as well, but yeah, yeah they. It feels like Everton are in a fortunate position this season, where enough will be less than it has been. Has, to do doing enough will be have a lower threshold than what's mm. been required over the last two years because of the, the weakness of the teams that have come up. That looks like that's probably not going to be the case next season. So if you're in a situation next summer where Everton have so many players going out of contract and they either don't have the finances or they don't have the um, the ability because of a transfer ban to, to improve their squad. The next season could be very difficult when you have three clubs come up with fresh momentum, squads that are largely Premier League squads, and obviously you know, with probably a bit of money to spend as well. A transfer ban, a transfer ban would be a serious concern, yeah, and therefore absolutely. something like Abdullah Dekori, you know, signing on for a new deal would 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 make sense just to protect the asset yeah. a little bit. The Premier League next season could be stronger than what it was last season. Yeah. yeah, yeah, even um, yeah. I'm just wondering whether there's been a conversation between the Premier League and Everton already. About, about the decision you know sometimes you know they have to hear and they say well this is what you, do, you don't know something the, 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 it may be that the, what the detection is the mood music is pointing mm-hmm. towards a transfer ban rather than a 
than yeah. a points deduction, and well, maybe I mean, that's informing yeah. some of the. Oh, that's just me speculating. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I some... mean the music. Obviously, yeah, the week before last was pointing towards a points deduction. Yeah. If there's some found, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Is is the honest answer on that? But I think that you know Everton, we've perhaps been critical of them for not um, protecting themselves against you know predictable problems of the future over recent years. It would make sense for a lot of reasons, even if they're in complete dark about what's happening with this case, which I mean, most of the club probably will be, to um, protect themselves against you know, potential outcomes of this, of this case and, and sign to Corey for another season. You know, is well, it will cost a lot of money. It will cost a lot more money to find someone to come in and do the job that the Corey does than it would be to pay him for another year. I think that's that's, that's interesting. So. Yeah, and you've got to, somebody's got to learn the ropes at Everton. You've got somebody who knows what Evans about, haven't you? Really, as well. So there's yeah. that, there's yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just thought it was a quite fascinating uh, development. Really, quite unusual. Mm. Mm. You know, in terms of of a player. You know, in terms of the time and of it, but. That it makes a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons, really. Yeah, I mean, the Jared Ranfoy one's interesting as well because as brilliant as he's been, he was excellent again again on, on Saturday. Obviously, he was a player that was still under a long-term contract at Everton. And it's very difficult to imagine that he wouldn't have got a, a significant pay rise in his, in his new deal, yeah. which, again, perhaps offers a little bit more insight into where Everton's finances are right now than, than we perhaps get from any other source because if things are as, as tight as they're claimed in some quarters... It's a it's a new contract that didn't need to be given for for a mm. while. Obviously, you know, psychologically, Evan will be in a strong position in January should someone come in and, and they've got him on new terms and he's happier at the club. But in terms of the length of his deal, Evan still had, held all the cards without having to potentially give him extra money. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so that's also quite interesting. Be interesting to think as well what happens with Dominic Calvert Lewin going forward as well. I mean, seven straight starts. I think he's twenty twenty five. Eighteen months left. So he's got eighteen months left. And again, trying to find someone. It'd be very expensive to do to buy someone that does even a fraction of what he can do. So would would you if he shows his fitness between now and Christmas? So that means he'd probably play what fifteen games on the mm-hmm. swim by Christmas. You think to be interested in him in January? So, possibly, I think possibly. I think there are a lot There's of teams you need sense of all. Yeah. I think there are a lot of that league. Yeah, yeah, that's. Right. I think there are a lot of clubs in the Premier League, including at the very top of the Premier League, that would benefit from having him, even you know, as a squad player. Uh, which is probably something that he, you know, if he had the opportunity to, to go and play Champions League football, so even as a squad player, then you might think. Like Arsenal, I mean, Chelsea is struggling to score goals at the moment. So, I mean, you know, Manchester United obviously just spent big on oil. There's, you, know, you, would, you would think that if you're uh, a Premier League player with, with, with cash, a Premier League club with cash in your pocket, he might be a, a proven. Um, and prove, a proven option that might not come at a massive price. Um, I also think, obviously, you know, we're, we're getting into, into realms of, of football manager and speculation territory here as well, but I also think the Jab Bramfway situation will be interesting, depending on where Everton sit in terms of things like whether a takeover has been approved or not and what the financial situation of the takeover is, because come January, if Everton were to be taken over, there's one thing that could happen is the club could get generally more stable as time mm-hmm. goes on, uh, particularly if they consolidate in the Premier League this season. So you'd think it would only, as that would happen, Jad Branthwaite would only get more and more expensive. And again, there are a lot of very good and um, very rich clubs that will be looking at Jad Branthwaite and thinking, you know, a left, a, a, a centre-back 
an English centre-back of his age, with his experience already and what he's shown across different leagues and with the ability to play with that foot like he does have, yeah, there'll be a lot of clubs, I should think, that will look at him and think he's a, you know, he's a, almost like a, a franchise signing in NFL terms. He's someone you could do it for 10 years and January would probably be the cheapest time to get him, although he wouldn't be cheap. The interest of the day, he said that he made it a red line not to sell Brantthwaite over the summer. Um, which was interesting, but I find you know again oh, this is speculation. But I find I think it's going to be very very interesting to see the dynamics at play in January, where you potentially end up with an Everton uh, coming out of a very difficult period and potentially on the cusp of getting stronger and consolidating, and whether some clubs see it as an opportunity as a last opportunity to try and come to the club and get you know essentially proven players at bargain costs. Yeah, it depends where we are on the table as well in January, of course, doesn't it? Yeah, so. yeah, it should be interesting if you, you know, speculate again if we did have new owners in January. Um, you know, would it be wise in terms of court popularity with the fan base well, selling your assets yeah. off? You know, and yeah. that, that's that's the other thing that plays into it, isn't it? That's for that's for another yeah, well, day. I think rightly those but, those owners face a lot of scrutiny. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. There's lots of hurdles um, to go. You know, but, but either we... way, it's an issue. They, they, mm. they, they, I think it's a good point you raised. That there's your, given given the, the noise that way again around the club. Is January could be the option. Last time you'll get an opportunity to buy an Everton player cheaper than the market value. That's kind of where I'm going. I, I think that's, that's a really good point. And that's something yeah, that I yeah. kind of, yeah, with, I think with Branford, Anana, and, um, and Calvert Lewin are probably the three, where it's a case of, yeah, it might cost them 30, 40, 50 million now, but there might be clubs that go, well, we know we're going to need that and we'd rather pay that now than 80, 90, yeah, you know, in a couple of months. So, yeah, I think, I think it was a smart move, wasn't it, to get Brambway Town because I think the secret's out now, and I think there's a body of work to suggest mm. that it's not promised. There's real quality there, isn't there? And I yeah, think yeah. we've seen it in the last two weekends against the really wily campaigner in Antonio and then Ferguson, mm-hmm. who I think is battle of two of the hottest prospects in European football, I think, and it's one the Brambway one. Absolutely brilliant, and I think there will be people will come knocking on our door. Early in January for him, certainly next summer, because as you rightly said, Joe, you don't get many left sided centre backs, let alone one who's right footed. Yeah. But he's so comfortable off both feet. That's huge. I think we're in danger of kind of drifting into sleepover meanderings or fourth or fifth pint discussion. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly. a bad problem with that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I just, just point out, because no fact, we're not saying we should sell players here. <laughs> so we're just, we're just, we're just saying, we're just, what I'm saying is, we've got quite a few saleable assets at the moment, which is a good reflection of where we, where we develop. We're, we're trying areas. to gain the situation so in four months' time when some of these things might happen, we can go, well, we Yeah, we told you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we will be, of course, be back again later this week, pre viewing all things Crystal Palace. We've been the Royal Blue Podcast. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 